Hello, everyone. This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to the Beyond Bitcoin Show. Today is October the 12th, 2019. Strong hand, unconfiscatable. Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin. Personal responsibility is the new counterculture. Deferral of gratification, conviction, golden age, relentless. Oh yeah, that's a new one. We're going to be relentless on this show. We're going to talk about some people that are relentless. All right, check out This Week in Bitcoin at DisruptMeister.com. Follow me on Twitter at TechBalt.com, T-E-C-H-B-A-L-T. And yeah, you can watch all the This Week in Bitcoin shows there. Gabriel Devine was the guest yesterday. You could tell it's not a scripted show because he brought up a subject matter I never bring up. But he's a good guy. I let other people have other opinions. He talked about something that I think is pretty ridiculous. But I gave him a, a you know, we 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 were men about it. We didn't start yelling at each other. We were polite. And uh, it was a great show. It was a great show. And Gabriel is a very interesting guy. And some of you people uh, that like that kind of stuff, you'll enjoy uh, You'll enjoy yesterday's show. And if uh, you're watching this live, you can type in Bitcoin Meister. It is late at night here in Baltimore. You type in Bitcoin Meister. You pound that like button right now. And I will answer your questions if you type in Bitcoin Meister or uh, you do a super chat. Always appreciate the support. Okay. So let's jump into the show. Let's start talking about Jeff Bezos. This article from The Atlantic. Uh, and by the way, this is a new shirt of mine, Crypto Verge. They're linked below. They've given me a lot of new shirts lately. It's like, I assume that's Moses throwing a Bitcoin at people. Uh, yeah, yeah, whatever. It's it's a funny one there, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, so Jeff Bezos, he uses the word relent. They, they say he he loves the word relentless in this article. And that dude is relentless. I This article really... It taught me a lot about Jeff Bezos. It, they were trying to rip on Jeff Bezos in this Atlantic article, but I learned a lot about him. I, I didn't know. I, I really haven't done much research into Jeff Bezos. I just know he's the richest man on the planet and he loves space. I kind of knew that, but he's, he's got serious. He's loved space his whole life and space travel, colonization, this kind of stuff they talk about on the Isaac Arthur channel. Um, this dude knows a lot about, and it, he is serious about bringing humanity into space which is something i really admire and um i don't under i think the people that rip on him and his big dreams and his big money that he has it's pure envy because this man has already changed the world he is trying to change the galaxy um and they of course they rip on him for the typical things that uh bring about emotion in the 80 percenters they they say he doesn't give enough charity i mean the t- what he has brought to humanity and what he is trying to bring to humanity, he shouldn't give all his all his money away now. Why? He is spending it on building spaceships. I mean, this is amazing. Um, but yeah, they try to shame him. And I'm going to read you a quote. Uh, once an executive makes it to the S team. Now, the S team is like his inner circle of executives at Amazon. He remains on the S team. The stability of the unit undoubtedly provides Bezos a measure of comfort, but it also calcifies this uppermost echelon in the antiquated vision of diversity. The S team has no African-Americans. The only woman runs human resources, nor does 
the composition of the leadership change much? A step down, a step down the ladder. When CNBC examined the 48 executives who run Amazon's core businesses, um, it found only four women, one former team leader who is a person of color, told me when the top executives hear the word diversity, they interpret it to mean the lowering of standards. So you're trying to tell this this critique, this this author thinks they know how to run a business better than the richest man on the planet. The richest man on the planet thinks diversity is a joke. The richest man on the planet brings in the smartest people to his inner circle and he doesn't let them go. He keeps them there. It calcifies. So yeah, he is the antiquated version of diversity. In, in your opinion, that's great. He's the richest man on, on the planet. <laughs> on the history of the planet, basically. He's trying to bring people off the planet. Okay, in inflationary terms, he isn't the richest man in the history of the planet. That was Rockefeller, I guess. But but, but you, you get my point. This These people that are trying to rip on him, he doesn't have enough diversity. This is the pure example of how to run, you run a business at the upper level. You don't worry about diversity. You get the smartest. You get the best, the person, the people he gets along with, and you keep them there. And you run the best business on the planet. And then the next thing you know, you're so rich, you're about to send people to different planets. I mean, it's unbelievable that people, uh, I, the, the 80 percenters in their emotion, unbelievable. Uh, yes. And Taval Dakris says, no one should be forced to include people in anyone's personal company. That's, that's basic, basic, that's basics right there. But people don't get that. They're like, well, I buy from Amazon. So Jeff Bezos should have someone that's just like me in his inner freaking circle. <laughs> just as smart as me, just just, just like me. I, you know, Even though I don't know anything about business, he should have people like me in his inner circle. No, you don't get that right. You don't get that right. I mean, does someone tell you what you get to put in your bed? Like, I think you should have a skunk in your bed. Well, that's that's terrible. No, no, I think you should have a skunk in your bed. Is pe should people be forced to make you put a skunk in your bed? No, it is the same thing. You want to skunk his inner circle, uh, th th this critiquer, this uh, this writer. But this is accepted as normal in, in, in today's society. But thank God for people that like Jeff Bezos who put up their middle finger at these people who don't play this game. They're probably, you know, in, in terms of corporate culture, I'm sure the lower levels, they try to fit people in and they try to corporate message to make people happy. But the way he's running that business, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not virtue signaling. It's not uh, it's not woke, <laughs> as they say. All right, and we're going to talk about woke capitalism in uh, one moment. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, that was good. Chester Copperfield said, Bitcoin Meister is like injecting anabolic steroids into your decrepit, scrawny, weak hands. Pound that like button. That, indeed, that is the truth. If you got weak hands, you watch this show, it's like you just put an, an anabolic steroids in your freaking hands. You got strong hands. You don't even need to talk about the price of Bitcoin. When was the last time I talked about the price of Bitcoin for a long period of time? Who the heck knows? I've been skipping it the last few shows. Gabriel and I didn't talk about the, the, the price of Bitcoin at all. Check out that show. Link to below. We won't talk about the price of Bitcoin tonight at all, but this is beyond Bitcoin. But we're going to tie the show into Bitcoin. Don't worry. All right, let's get back to the subject matters at hand. We're talking about Amazon. The author complains uh, instead instead of competing. Yeah, 
It's easy to complain. If you don't like the way Amazon's being run, you make your own Amazon. You compete, but no. Um, the country, and this is what, this is another quote from the article. The country needs to think like Bezos and consider the longer sweep of history before permitting so much responsibility to pull in one man who, without ever receiving a vote, assumes roles once reserved for the state. <laughs> Thank the Lord. His company has become the shared national infrastructure. No, it has not. It, it shapes the future of the workplace with its robots it will populate the skies with its drones. Its website determines which industries thrive and which fail to the side. So yeah, this, this author says we should mind his business. We should take away his business. We should try to manage his business. He is bigger than a, a country. This is, this is of the national. Yeah, what's wrong with a corporation being more powerful than a country? Get used to it. Welcome to the golden age. So I, I from reading this article, and it's a good, read the whole thing. It, it brings up some good points about him indirectly. I, I admire Jeff Bezos so much more after reading this article, this virtue signaler uh, written article. It, it's uh, it's inspirational that uh, Jeff Bezos has angered them so much that they want to take away his business. And uh, yeah, I say keep on innovating Jeff Bezos to the moon, to Mars, wherever, baby, wherever. It's awesome. So let's talk about this golden age. So we got people like Jeff Bezos in this in the 2020s that want to put people on other planets in the sky in the uh, doing all uh, on the moon rocket ships. He, I mean, he wants to be Jean Luc Picard. That's why he shaves his head like that, uh, apparently. So there is a man out there that I had heard of named David Sinclair, and I stumbled upon one of his art, uh, one of his videos. You need to watch it. Lifespan: Why we age and why we don't have to. And this is a talk at Google and. Working toward reversing aging solutions. Okay, right. Working toward reversing aging. Uh, talk uh, talks of something. Okay, all right. So he wants to. It's complex stuff. He says that they are close to figuring out ways of reversing aging in in animals and and then human beings. And he talks about something called NMN. Um, he talks about intermittent fasting as something that he – the man is 50 years old. He looks darn good. So he's learned something from his research definitely. Now, I don't know about this NMN stuff, but he says one of the things you can do is intermittent fasting, and he personally does intermittent fasting. But he, he really – there's going to be a complex solution uh, that's beyond intermittent fasting, a, a therapy they will be able to do to reverse aging. And they'll eventually start experimenting on it. And he says – that, it, I mean, he implies that it might take some of the Western countries a, a little while to approve this and do all the experiments, et cetera, et cetera. So he says people will like travel to places like Costa Rica to get this uh, experimental uh, therapy once it is. And again, it's not available yet at all. It's still in the early stages. But he says he hopes in our lifetimes that this can come about. Well, um, and it's, it's just inspirational. So I wish him all the luck in the world. And uh, more than luck, uh, hard work. Uh, he's he's from Australia originally, and he is working on this. And this is a whole new definition of medical tourism. When if this ever, God willing, this happens. Now I've said to you in the past, 
one of the way you have to one of the reasons you should be a long-term thinker and a long-term holder of Bitcoin and not blow your Bitcoin on a Tesla now is because we're entering a golden age where there is, people are working on life extension. It isn't just this guy, okay? It isn't just just this guy. And at, at some point when it comes out, only the wealthy are going to be able to afford it. Uh, and uh, some countries might regulate it and you might need to bribe someone in another country to get it. And so instead of getting a Tesla today, you might be able to buy your way to live to be 120 and living quite uh, nicely in the future. So it's another reason for long-term thinking not to blow your Bitcoin wad yet. Um, and uh, yeah, just, just to not to be as healthy as possible. Not just, not, I'm not just talking about Bitcoin here. Be healthy. Do, do, people like laugh at intermittent fasting sometimes. Um, I don't think you'll be laughing after you watch this video. You, you really shouldn't be if you're if you're a long-term thinker. I mean, it's it's worth it to to try the intermittent fasting to keep you in an okay state. So if they come up with this when you're 60 years old, that you'll be good enough to take it, uh, survive it, and start reversing reversing the aging. Who knows? I mean, this, it's very exciting stuff. And uh, I love I love watching uh, videos like that. So Google him, uh, look him up on YouTube. Uh, there's like a four minute video that I didn't link to below. If you just uh, type in his name, uh, David Sinclair and intermittent fasting, that's there. But this is a longer talk at Google. The first uh, 25 minutes are just him talking and then they ask him some questions and uh, it's a good talk. All right, moving on. Yeah. And again, there'll be a lot of people with nothing that'll start rioting basically uh, that, that want this in the future. If this really comes out, people will go wild that they were 80 percenters. They blew all their money and they're not able to afford. Why are only the rich? Why are only the rich staying young? I mean, who? well, because we say, because we planned. Okay. You could plan now. This is look ahead to the 2020s, 2030s, whatever. Um, yeah, life extension. I, this stuff, God willing, it comes in the 2020s, but I'd, I'd be more of a realist here and think 2030s and 2040s, but but you never know. Jeff Bezos, on the other hand, getting people in the space in 2020s, I'm pretty confident about that. Uh, that that's, that's an easier thing to do. Getting people in the space, uh, what, what Musk is doing and what uh, Bezos is doing and, and uh, Virgin uh, Galactic is doing, that's a lot easier than reversing aging. <laughs> but still, it's quite an accomplishment. All right, we see. Uh, we, okay, no one is typing in Bitcoin Meister, but there are plenty of classics in there. Just buy Bitcoins in there. Mac, okay. Vention's in there. What's up, Vention? Yeah. All right. Eat only eight hours a day, dude. Max, I only eat one hour a day. All right. Twenty-three hours a day of fasting, at least. Yesterday it was twenty-seven hours. Yeah. Uh, and the day before it was forty. Yeah, 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 yeah. I had a uh, yum yum for yum Kippur. I fasted the 25 hours without the water and then it ended at night. I drank the water. I'm like, well, I'm not going to eat now. I'll just eat tomorrow. So it, it ended up being 47 hours or something like that. Okay. There's your recent, uh, Adam's most recent, uh, day of skipping food completely. Uh, when you go over, you know, when you get into the 41 hour realm, you've totally skipped the day of eating. It's not coming back. And I've done that like over 30 times this year. It'll end up basically that for 10% of the 10% of the days of the year, I didn't eat a thing. Okay. Moving on. Then that's intermittent. That's part of it. That's hardcore intermittent fasting. All the other days of the year, I, I fast at least uh, 22 hours every day. I hope I didn't say I fast at least 23 hours every day. 
I don't fast at least 23 hours every day. I fast at least 22. Many of the days is 23. I, I, what I'm getting confused with in my head, I only eat an hour a day. I only eat an hour a day. It's, it's an hour, then 22, at least 22 hours off. Then about it, it's usually less than an hour. I mean, some days I only eat for like 37 minutes or something like that. I keep track of it. It's not, it's not about how short your window of eating is. It's about how long the, the non-eating period is. Okay. That's what you're aiming for. A long non-eating period. That that's the that's what the intermittent fasting is about. Moving on here. Does, do people like these new shirts? Uh, Crypto Verge, baby. Thank you much. Thank you, everyone, for all the shirts, shirts and the support. I have like 50 shirts. Like literally, I have 50 Bitcoin shirts. It's it's wild stuff. <laughs> and now my nephews and nieces also have uh are going to have some because by accidentally I was sent some extra small ones. I'm a medium, but there was a mistake that the person who sent them and then the company uh, gave me the free medium. Well they, well, they sent medium ones. I guess they were free. I mean, everything was free to me in the beginning. Uh, there's this extra small ones. And then I, I hope they, they didn't charge the guy uh, for the medium ones. All right. Now, uh, but my, my, my little relatives, the little Bitcoin Meisters are going to have their own shirts, their own Bitcoin shirts. How cute. If only their parents would allow them to be on camera with me. Uh, they, they, you know, I mean, I, my siblings, they're protective of their kids. They, they fear YouTube. And to tell you the truth, <laughs> with the freaks out there on YouTube, I don't know if, you know, it's appropriate to show some of these. It's a nasty world out there. It's a nasty world. Personal responsibility is a new counterculture. My siblings are very, uh, very responsible with their children, obviously. All right. Uh, moving on. Andrew Yang was on the uh, Eric Weinstein show. And at first he starts it out with a doom, a doom type of tone. Uh, and if you're running for public office, you do sometimes have to bring up this doom, like, well, things might get dangerous in the next 20 years or 10 years and people are losing their jobs. I see it as opportunity. I see it as a golden age. I don't see an, it's so government intervention is not necessary. But he's running for president, so he's got to frame it in a way that government intervention is necessary. Uh, so I didn't like the beginning, and Eric Weinstein jumps on that doom too. He, I mean, they, they, they're like, the truckers are all going to lose their jobs. Oh, what will happen to the world? They'll find new jobs, okay? Uh, we need the, the government needs a solution. But he is smart. He is an outside-the-box thinker of all the Democrats. That's the one I'm going to vote for because I am a registered Democrat since I was a, a since I registered to vote. Um, I've, I've, I've gone over this story before. I registered as a Democrat as a youthful, naive uh, kid, and I never changed it because uh, it's, who cares? <laughs> and so I get to vote in the Democratic primary if I am, if I do an absentee ballot um, or if I happen to be in Maryland. I don't even know when Maryland does it. It might be during Passover when I'm back I, 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 because I'm going to be gone from Baltimore for a long time starting, uh, well, I'm going to Australia, but then I'll be back for Thanksgiving. But then after that, uh, starting December 12th, I will be gone for Baltimore uh, probably until Passover, which is a long time. But nonetheless, I, I will vote for uh, this man because he's smarter and he seems reasonable. He is not a politician. He is not a fake. So if he happens to become president, and again, presidents don't really change our lives, I think he'll come up with some ways of saving money, being innovative. Um, and you know, if the United States is better off 
because of him, that's better. That's that's good for me. There'll be more freedoms for us, perhaps. Who knows? Don't get obsessed with the politics. But I, I did I did like the video. I did like the interview. It just show it shows how smart he is. And um, what 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 the main reason I'm actually bringing this up is what Weinstein, what Eric Weinstein said in, in, during the show. Weinstein is obsessed with. Uh, I, he, I think he feels alienated by the big, you know, Harvard and the big institutions because he's a freaking genius. And he doesn't like the, the the way they're going. Okay, that's great. You don't like what Harvard does. He says, we have to retake the institutions like Harvard. So he says, we have to retake them. I, I don't like that term. I don't like retake. You know what? If you don't like Harvard, you don't like the way Harvard and Yale have gone. And they have gone in some ridiculous directions. There's no doubt about it. They're still doing a lot of great things. But they've gone the social, they've gone the woke way, okay? Um start your own institutions. Okay. You don't have to retake them. Start your, and Eric, you are starting your own institution by having your own YouTube channel. Okay. You know, I, I don't, I don't like it in, in Bitcoin. What did we, we started a new institution, Bitcoin. We didn't retake the fed. We didn't retake the dollar. We started a new thing and look how freaking awesome it is. Pound that like button. I like creation instead of retaking. Okay. If you've been kicked out of some club, then start your own club. Okay. There's no need to retake it and take it over, blah, 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 blah. Um, I, I like uh, it. And, and, you know, retaking isn't as bad as destroying. Because then, you know, in the cryptocurrency space, we have certain Bitcoiners are like, we have to destroy the altcoins. No, you don't have to destroy them. You make Bitcoin better. You're in Bitcoin. Appreciate the realm that you're in. I don't like destruction. I don't like destruction. Uh, right. Next is, uh, well, since we're talking about these politicians, Let's talk about Tulsi real quick, because it looks like she's either got a gimmick or she's got some big principles. And in this video, she looks beautiful, I have to say. <laughs> she's as the hottest of the candidates, isn't she? So she's going to get the votes for that. Um, she, well, she's, she's born in 1981, so she's 38 years old. She still looks, I mean, she looks good for 38. She does look good for 38. I mean, I, I have to say it. Now, again, don't value your wealth in women. And don't, well, you can make your vote. No, no, no. Anyway, so. She says, I am seriously boycott considering boycotting the October 15th debate to bring attention to the DNC corporate media's effort to rig the 2020 primary. Not against Bernie this time, but against voters in the early states of Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, and South Carolina. By the way, I do like in the last like four or eight years how Nevada and South Carolina have become more important. South Carolina, Nevada was never important, by the way, you know, 12 years ago, Nevada was not important. South Carolina might've been, um, but, but, you know, starting in, and I've read a lot about, starting in 1976, when Jimmy Carter won Iowa, that is when Iowa became important. Okay. And New Hampshire was already important. And for the many years after that, Iowa, New Hampshire, it was all about Iowa and New Hampshire. As, as a little kid growing up, I would, I would hear it on the news, Iowa, New Hampshire, Iowa, New Hampshire. Eventually they threw in South Carolina. Now they've thrown in Nevada too, but it's still in Iowa, New Hampshire. They blew, but these other, anyway, I've, I've rambled on too much about those two, but he said holding. So she also went on to say holding so-called debates, which are not debates at all, but rather commercialized reality television meant to entertain, not inform or enlighten. I love that line. I love that. The, the debates are not debates. This, this is that, that they are a complete waste of time. I'm glad she said that. Um, they are they are commercialized reality television meant to entertain. And so, most most aspects of 
politics now on corporate TV is uh, reality commercialized reality TV meant to entertain. So she's not going to stand for it, she says, and because she she can she has been invited to this debate. She wasn't invited to the third debate, but she's invited to the fourth debate, which is like the one in October uh, in a few days, I guess. Um, and so if she didn't show up, that would be very principled. But I but I, I think what she's going to do is she's going to show up and she's going to bring this up, which is nice but it's not the same thing as, as as not showing up nonetheless if she actually shows up and brings this says everything that i just said good for her good good for her um I, I, yang's still better but and still smarter and will be will bring will be better for the country and again you gotta don't worry about better for the country worry about yourself you take care of yourself yang isn't going to save your butt uh, because again, he he tries to say he's going to save your butt by doing this freedom dividend. It's not going to save you. you. Take you position yourself for what you think the 2020s are going to be like. Okay, if you think your job isn't going to be there in the 2020s, then start divert, learning now. Divert, there's so many learning opportunities out there. So many beautiful industries to get into, uh, and some of which I, I brought up earlier in the show. Uh, but it, it is this Tulsi interesting stand. We'll see how that debate. And so. Is this getting her a lot of news coverage? Clearly not from the, the mainstream media doesn't want to cover this story because, um, you know, it's, it's, it's ripping on them. It's, it's showing how fake they are. Uh, it, it is, it is such a reality show. And uh, I mean, now, now the next, the new reality show is called the impeachment show. And they, don't waste your time on it. I, I hear about it on the Ben Shapiro show. I like his show. I think it's a great way of if you're going to keep up with politics, keep up with it that way. And that's how I do it. Okay. It's, it takes what 25 minutes of my day when I'm cooking my food because I played at two X. Yes. I can play Ben Shapiro's voice at two X pound that like button. And then also on Ben Shapiro, I learn about, I, I, that's why I know about Eric Weinstein, Einstein and some of these other dudes. So it, it brings, uh, he, he just doesn't talk about politics. He goes beyond it. So one, we're talking about corporate media here. Just before I went on, I see, uh, Veritas videos, uh, James O'Keefe, uh, by the way, James O'Keefe's first video, uh, you know, that would made him famous was when he was exposing acorn and one of the offices was on in Baltimore. And I had been in that office before I had spoken to people in there. It was right around the corner from a house I owned. So, um, right near where I lived, it was right near, right near where I lived at one point in my, uh, when, when I, now where I grew up in the suburbs, obviously, but, um, in my a few years ago, I lived uh, around around anyway. But what, what he has a new hashtag: expose CNN. His next video that's going to come out is like insiders from CNN, I guess, saying how corrupt it is over there. So expose CNN. Check that out on Twitter. Check that. Out. I like James O'Keefe's videos. I think they're great. I think they're great because they just show what a joke uh, the, and what how big of a waste of time politics is and, and the media is, and you just can't. You cannot become obsessed with it because it just takes up your whole life, and then you don't have you. You become dependent on them. You got to take care of yourself. But uh, yeah, that that's uh, the latest one out there. Uh, James O'Keefe exposed CNN. Let, let's. I'm looking forward to seeing what he's got out there. It's uh, always a learning experience to say the least. And yeah, when he uh, when he did that expose of uh, acorns, that 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 girl he had with him, that was uh, some quality right there. All right, moving on. Watch those old videos. Watch that old videos. I hear she's like a religious uh, woman of some sort. I, I don't now, or I mean, maybe then she was then also. I think she was like twenty years old then. All right, 
what, what do we <laughs> value your wealth in Bitcoin? Not in, uh, not in that because you're not getting that. You're not getting his uh, little uh, co-host woman back from 10 years ago, whenever that was. Uh, here is, here's another article trying to make people feel guilty from the new Republic. I worked at Capital One for five years. This is how we justified piling debt on poor customers. The subprime lending giant is a textbook case in creating a corporate culture of denial. Oh my. So I read this entire thing. They are, if you work at Capital One, Capital One shouldn't have guilt. They shouldn't be shamed. This is a legitimate business. The 80 percenters out there that have horrible credit who are addicted to spending, they want subprime credit cards. They're subprime. They Who would lend to them? No one would lend to them, okay? No one, if you've got a 200 credit score, who wants to give you money? This company takes the risk and gives them money. It is much better than going to one of those payday loan places, okay? It is, this is a legitimate business model, what Capital One does. They're not forcing anyone to take their credit card. Okay, no one is forcing the 80 percenters to do this. No, I, we've got plenty of people out there saying, don't spend, don't spend, save. But people, 80 percenters are going to do what they're going to do. Okay, you shouldn't feel guilty. If, if, they're, if they're not going to go to Capital One, they're not going to go to the payday, they're going to go to the payday person. Or if, the, if none of those options are available, they're going to go to a loan shark. Okay, and what will the loan shark do when they, you know, in, in the Philippines, that's, or in some, or in Indonesia, I believe, in Indonesia, I know uh, they have loan sharks. Because they don't have such a, they don't have a sophisticated uh, financial system like we do, where we have Capital One. If you don't pay your loan shark in Indonesia, what do you think happens to you? Okay, it, so th- th- there are some parts of the financial system, a sophisticated financial system, that maybe get, leave a bad taste in your mouth. But if you consider the overall, you know, the options, and that no one is being forced to to go to Capital One. They are providing a service which people love, okay? They love it. They get to buy more stuff. And maybe sometimes they need, I mean, we're talking about credit cards with only like $200 lines of credit, but that makes a difference for some people. It really does. So this person used to work there and now she's trying to virtue signal and say, you know, I, I was guilty. I quit. Who cares? You know? So what? You quit. Great. You're a great, you're not, doesn't make you a better person than, than the people who currently work there. People got to work a job. It's a legitimate business. It's a legitimate business model. And, um, you know, it, it, no one is being forced seriously. You don't have to buy stuff. You do not have to buy stuff. It's it's that easy. It's not, it's not being forced upon you. All right. Pound that like button. Now here we got another one. Here's a study from the study finds that, uh, nervous nation, one in five Americans believe they have an undiagnosed anxiety disorder. Uh, oh my God. Sickness and victimhood. Oh, people just love sickness and victimhood. They think that's the solution to their problems. Now, I'm sure there are pro- there are people that do have real uh, uh, real anxiety disorders. But we've gotten to a point where there are unique, everyone is unique. Okay. Not everyone fits the mold. Everyone is a little different. And some people so much want to fit in and they're so different that they think, well, something I must have a, a, 
I, I must have some anxiety disorder. I must be anxious. I must be, I must be, this is why I'm nervous. No, everyone's got different temperaments. Okay. And, and, and then there's some people that are anxious for no good reason. Okay. They're worrying about just these, these crazy problems that the media, they're worried about Trump. They're worried about, and that's giving them anxiety. And, but it's not a disorder. It's just, you know, calm yourself down. Don't get obsessed. And uh, you're unique. All right. So, no one is perfect. Everyone sometimes feels a little anxious. Um, the people on TV that you see that are living perfect, beautiful lives, that's fake. <laughs> All right. Everyone encounters problems. Everyone can get a little stressed out. So to think that the 20% of Americans think they have an undying, that, that's way too high, way too high because no, one in 20 Americans, one in five, 20% of Americans do not have serious anxiety disorders. They, they might be anxious for ludicrous reasons, but that's not a, I wouldn't call that a disorder. All right. Here's another one. Four in 10 adults are close to the breaking point at work. Oh man. So this can be interpreted a lot of ways. Uh, maybe people should, you know, not try to fit in the corporate culture anymore. Uh, maybe some people are just so spoiled in life that, uh, they don't understand that you have to have, you know, if you're going to work at a corporation, you're going to have a boss. You're going to have to listen to directions. And, uh, yeah, that's just life sometimes. So we're living in a, in an age where people have so many, um, so many comforts and nice things. And you can see why they can easily be brought to a breaking point. Because they think everything has to be super easy in life. Not everything's super easy in life. Um, and if you if you don't like your work, you can always leave your work. And maybe that'll alleviate some of your stress. You won't be as stressed. Four in ten Americans close to the breaking point at work. Wow. All right. Work for yourself, people. Make that a goal. You, I don't think you'll be stressed out. I don't think you'll be at the, you won't ever say you're at the breaking point if you're working for yourself. Uh, all right. What's this Twitter here? Tweet. Who is this? As I, this is from Clay Rutledge. As I've said before, and is becoming increasingly obvious, woke capitalism is about companies pretending to care about social justice to sell products to people who pretend to hate capitalism. Pound that like button. Retweet that one. That is that I retweeted that one. Let me read you again. Read it to you again. As I've said before, and is becoming increasingly obvious, woke capitalism is about companies pretending to care about social justice to sell products to people who pretend to hate capitalism. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so you know, we, we got a bunch of people out there that go, oh, capitalism is evil, but uh, I need XYZ. And well, since I need XYZ, I got to buy it from an evil corporation, thus participating in capitalism. But uh, yeah, this corporation isn't that evil because they like uh, they have uh, three different bathrooms at their uh, office. <laughs> oh, it's it's all an act. It's so it's so funny, and uh, I I admire the uh, the companies who don't play in that game, who are just like you know what. We're going to do what we're going to do. We're not bringing politics into this. If you want to buy our product, you can buy our product. <laughs> and 
there's a lot of, I mean, I think I'm, I, I, there's a lot of uh, content creators, at least, that are like that. Because content creators, uh, their content is their product. So you could be woke and, and, and you know, try to fit in uh, and make your product uh, nice for the, uh, the haters out there. Or you can just be yourself and you don't care about fitting in. You don't care about being woke. And you don't care about appealing to the uh, the people who pretend that they're uh, they hate capitalism. All right. Uh, what's moving on? What's oh we got a, a Brett Weinstein quote. Not not the other Weinstein, but Brett Weinstein. There's Brett Weinstein and then the one I was talking about beforehand. I get them confused. Uh, but hang on. Before we do that, yeah. Okay. Here's Brett Weinstein quote. Compassionate policies require dispassionate analysis. Don't assume that people who engage in dispassionate analysis uh, are deaf to suffering. On the contrary, they take it so seriously, they're willing to go dispassionately at the problem to see if they can address it. I like that. That's uh, that's like Ben Shapiro right there. Uh, facts over feelings. So th there are people that uh, understand the suffering of people. But you don't have to be get your emotions tied up in it. In fact, if you are dispassionate, if you can remove your emotions from trying to solve an emotional situation, then you're going to come up with a better solution. And you clearly care. If you're able, you care so much that you're something so emotional out there that you're able to remove all emotion from judging this emotional uh, uh, subject. So that, that, that just shows you that dispassion dispassionate if you're dispassionate you 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 can really care a lot about a subject all right from stripper to superstar this is a headline for you 80 percenters up there from si si stripper to superstar cardi b set to be queen of all media now that's a totally 80 i don't i don't know who cardi b is i know she said something controversial once and she's a rapper maybe but apparently she's going to become queen of all media and I don't queen of all 80% media. And I consider it an honor that I have no idea what this uh, headline is about. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> I know about BTC. I don't know about Cardi B pound that like button. And there are people who really care a lot about Cardi B, I guess, that she's about to become queen of all media. Oh, those people are so left behind. I mean, they're not going to be, they're not wealthy individuals. Uh, they're, they are going to be ones complaining in the future. Why do you have the life extension? Why do you have the Bitcoin? But it's, it's funny, man. I don't know a thing about, it. I'm so, I, I just, but, but we have to realize that most people understand what that headline means. I don't really understand what that headline means, but most people do. And you should be glad that you, if you don't know what it means, you're in good shape. All right. And, but, but think about it from their perspective. They have no idea what Bitcoin is. They're so far behind, but eventually they will know. Eventually they will know. So that should give you confidence that since so many people know about Cardi B, so few know, know about BTC. So you're way ahead of the game. You're, it's still early. It's still early when we're seeing headlines like that. All right. I heard uh, economic invincibility use the term Instagram success. And uh, that's defined as, there, I don't have Instagram, by the way. But there are a lot of people who like to go on Instagram apparently and then show their, their fancy cars, show their fancy hair, their fancy nails, and that is their success. That is that that is success to them, okay? They can't show 
a Bitcoin, they can't show that they saved for the year 2024. They can't, that, that's not, that, that wouldn't be taken well on Instagram. People wouldn't understand what that is. So again, Cardi B is living the Instagram uh, success lifestyle. The people that follow Cardi B, that's about, that's the Instagram successors. That's uh, they judge their success and what they can show on Instagram. Just totally uh, nothing to do with assets. Instagram is not about assets at all. I mean, I'm sure there are probably some people that show their big houses, but are their big houses really assets when they are like completely in debt and uh, underwater on their house? No, if you're underwater on your house, it's not an asset at all. Uh, but yeah, I like that term, Instagram success. This is not, Bitcoin is not about Instagram success, baby. It's about real wealth. So you can value your wealth in Instagram success, but you won't have any wealth at the end of the day. All you all you have is a Cardi B. So pound that like button. And here is a tweet. And a lot of people's uh, problems in life can boil down to this. The worst loneliness is not to be comfortable with yourself. Mark Twain said that apparently. And yeah, most people don't. Wait, wait, hang on a second. I just, I thought I lost the contact there for a second. Um, if you're not comfortable with yourself, you're going to be lonely. If that's, that having that base layer, you're going to be trying to fit in with whatever is cool out there. And you're not, you're going to constantly be lonely because you're not being yourself because you're not comfortable with yourself. All right. There's a lot of loneliness. There are people out there on Instagram. You think they're living the, the great life because they're posting so much stuff. That's so cool. And look who they're hanging out with. And they're, they're being people, they're being they're emulating people on TV. They're trying to exactly be like the superstars, but they're not being themselves. They're not comfortable with who they truly are. Um, and, and again, they're, they're, they're fitting in with the machine, fitting in with the mob. And there's so many people that do that. There's so many people that are not comfortable with themselves that make these fake personalities for themselves. And so in the end of the day, they are lonely, even though you might think they're, they're not lonely because the pictures they post, they are lonely. So, for the people, it was, there, there are a lot of people that are lonely out there. And you have to be comfortable with who you are first. Be comfortable with, you are awesome. You are special. You are uh, unique. You don't have a mental problem. <laughs> uh, you you go your own way. You you don't need to be judged by other people's standards. Be, be better than you were the day before. Be, be the best you that you can be. So, yeah, I I, I like that uh, Mark Twain stuff that uh, – and, and this is a lot that is this is a problem in society today that just people right away because of peer pressure they think they have to fit into a certain mold and thus they become uncomfortable with themselves and thus they have base loneliness and so at the end of the day after they're drinking and drugging and pounding and whatever they come home and they very they're very, they're very depressed they're not happy they're not they're not accomplishing anything they're just living a false lifestyle so very, very, Mark Twain knew it many, many years ago. So that, that's uh, an interesting one. And here's something that fits into this too. Mazir Mamudov said, don't let anyone waste your time. If somebody wastes your time, they are stealing from you. Time theft is the same or possibly worse than physical theft. I got I to gotta agree with that. You got to make the most of your time, man. If you're, if you're spending your time worrying about fitting in, worrying about, uh, how you have to present yourself to others. It's, it's a complete, uh, it's complete nonsense. You're not accomplishing anything. Now, again, you can waste your time on a lot of things. 
uh, watching Carney B. Uh, there's some things that, that are pastimes. I understand you can't be perfect all the time, but even when you're learning, play if you can play it at two x, that saves time. T time is such a valuable commodity. I mean, that's what we're talking about at the beginning of the show. We got people talking about life extension. That's all about getting more time. We only have a certain amount of time on this earth. Maybe in the future we're going to have more. So make the most of it now, because you don't know. You don't know what the future will bring, but uh, time is such a valuable commodity. It, it really is. Uh, so Mizir Mamudov, thank you for that reminder. Uh, and what is this last one? Don't let anyone waste your time. All right. So pound that like button, everyone. I think I will get to the uh, personal side of the uh, show because people at the end of the show, they like to know what's uh, – going on in the Meister life uh, at this show, at least, because this is the Beyond Bitcoin show. I'm just reading if uh, there was anything else here. All right. So yeah, this is a little bit of, about conviction also and about not trusting hospitals. So what was Yom Kippur was on, started Tuesday night, right? Yom, Yom Kippur started Tuesday night. Uh, on Monday night, uh, my grandmother, I, I was, well, I, I, I'll make a long story short. I got on the phone with my grandmother after I was informed about an issue. Uh, and my grandmother was talking to me on the phone, but she was not making sense. She was uh, just saying sentence fragments. And so my, uh, all of us, all the Meisters got in touch and uh, sent people over there <laughs> from various directions. But I was keeping my grandmother on the phone as other relatives uh, went over there. And it was just amazing. Like, she's just talking to me, but it's making no sense. It's just sentence fragments. And, but I didn't want to get her off the phone because I didn't want her to stop talking. But a couple of the sentence fragments were like, I'm making no sense. She knew she could tell she was making no sense. It's a very interesting thing when this is occurring. So uh, I didn't Google this term, but apparently uh, someone said she was having, uh, it was a mini stroke it's called. And she had a stroke uh, back in 2011. Um, also, I mean, I, I guess I should lend that she's 96 years old, uh, and I've talked about her on the show in the past. Uh, so she had a at the beginning of this year, as many of you remember, she had a, a, a blockage and she was almost died in the hospital. It was amazing that she survived. And so by the time we had people over there and her blood pressure was very high when people went over there, her blood pressure went down. Okay. It went down. And, um, some people wanted to send her to the hospital and she said, no, I'm not going to the hospital. I'm not, there's no point. And you know what? She didn't go to the hospital and I gotta, you gotta think about it this way. So many people blindly go to the hospital when they're sick and, but when, but when they're sort of better, what would happen to my grandmother if she went to the hospital? It would be a lot of tests, a lot of stress. And you you just had something that was maybe a mini stroke. Do you want to be stressed? I mean, what's the best that's going to happen to you at the hospital at, this, at that point? What's the best? And then what's the worst? Okay. You, you want to be comfortable at your own house. And she was comfortable at her own house. She was comfortable at her own house and she slept fine and everything. And, and anyway, right before Yom Kippur starts the next night, the same thing happens again, <laughs> but she refuses to go to the hospital. She refuses to go to the hospital. And I, I got to say, I agree. I agreed once, once again, this is, what is the point? It, because she had the symptoms again where she's not making sense. She's talking gibberish. and uh, But then it ended. 
So what are you going to do at the hospital besides put her in a machine, hook her up? You can get sick. She's 96 years old, so you can catch things there. I mean, what are they going to – because the symptom – she her blood pressure lowered on its own. So anyway, now it's a few days. It, it hasn't happened again. She's fine. She's talking fine. Nothing. So I have not Googled what mini stroke is. I don't want to Google it, to tell you the truth. Did she have a mini stroke twice? I don't know. I, you know, something happened over there. But at, at, at this point, you know, this is fine. So a lot of us, you know, def blindly defer to authority and like think that the, the, you know, and there, there are plenty of times you got to go to the hospital. Okay. <laughs> Obviously, if you lose consciousness, there's, there's so many times. But as an individual, even as a 96 year old individual, you can make decisions that are smart decisions that are going to, um, be the right decisions that, that might not seem logical to some people because automatically good. You know, she, I mean, she's had some bad experiences at the hospital. I mean, they, they don't, people can be killed at hospitals very easily there and they don't treat old people with respect at, at, at a hospital. They, they come in there. She said, you know, I just had a mini stroke. Half of them were thinking, well, she's going to die in an hour. So, you know, they're going to treat her like, oh, you're better off at your, you're better off in your house. All right. So that, that, that's a little story, a little health. And, uh, and yeah, that, that woman's got some conviction, baby. That, and again, that's my grandmother. So you can see where I got that conviction from. She wants to, you know, she's a, she's a horse, man. She doesn't want to, she doesn't want to leave. She, she, she wants to keep on going. This is, you know, when, when, when she was so sick in the hospital and they were trying to upsell her on freaking hospice. They wanted to go send her to the hospice. Would you want to return to the hospital after the last time you were there? They were saying, oh, no, you should go home and die. You, you should die. That, that's what they told her last time, basically. When they say go to the hospice, that means you should die. So I mean, you can understand why a person wouldn't want to deal with that again. Are they going to say, oh, you just had a stroke. You should die again. I mean, this, this, is, this is – so I, I admire her a lot. That was that was great. That is a conviction, uh, conviction for living there. So – one other thing, everybody knows that on this Thursday that you just passed, Thursday, was the last day of saying Kaddish for my father. I said I went to synagogue every single day. Um, one day it was on the plane. <laughs> There's a bunch of guys praying on the plane. But every single day since uh, my father's uh, funeral, uh, I, which was, what was it? November 23rd. I, I went to, I've gone to synagogue and I've said the Kaddish and that is what, uh, Jewish people are supposed to say that prayer every day for their, uh, father or mother, uh, and I think siblings, uh, when they pass away. And so uh, my, I actually, so some people ask, you know, why do you do it? You know, I mean, I'm doing it because I, you know, this is, this is what we do. This is our tradition. And I think it, I think it is helpful. I think it is, I think it is helpful. Uh, but I do remember when my grandmother died, when my father's mother died, he himself told me like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, I'm going every day. Now, did he go every day? I don't know if he went every day or not. He told me he was trying to go every day. Uh, and I remember it was in college. It's, I, I was talking to a friend in college and I was like, I was so proud of my father. I said, my father, he goes to shul every day to, to pray for his, to say the Kaddish for his, uh, for his uh, mother. And I knew then, I knew then as, as a college student that you know, I won, you know, I would, I would do the same. And I did do the same. I did it. I did it. And that's, that's conviction. That is definitely conviction. All right, everyone. Pound that like button. I'm Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister. Check out the links below. I'll see you later. Bye.